Welcome to the One Size Does Not Fit All podcast. I'm Kat Vitu, the founder of the World Life Tribe, and I co-host this show with the lovely Liberty. And together we meet the most inspiring people that are here to give you tools to live a life where you will thrive. Bon Raw makes it easy for you to sweeten naturally with minimum effort and zero compromise with their delicious range of raw and unrefined organic sugars. Bon Raw is better for you and the planet. Find Bon Raw's silver birch, panela and coconut blossom at Waitrose. Welcome to our podcast, One Size Does Not Fit All. It's me, Liberty, here again. And of course, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Kat. Hello, Kat. Hi, Liberty. How are you? I am all right, actually. I'm a bit sad, actually, because um, one of my good friend's dog passed away, actually. That's two of them last week, and I get really sad about animals. I know I get sad about people as well, don't get me wrong, but, like, I really, I'm really, I'm really upset for them, actually, because I've got my own dogs. I really, I think it just, I just feel really upset for them. (laughs) Yeah, it's the worst, worst, worst thing. I don't know what I, when I was, uh, we've had cats all our lives, but uh, cats, dogs, we were just talking <laughs> about cats. I'm getting all confused. We've had cats and dogs all our lives. Look at me showing off. We've had dogs all our lives. But one I remember that we probably had who lived the longest was this um, French sheep dog. So she looked like a Dulux dog, but she was black, all black, absolutely massive. And um, I just joined BA. I was cabin crew for BA. And we pulled on to stand to turn an aircraft around and take it out. And I turned my phone on and it was my mum leaving a message to say that she was called Betty after my dad's favourite film. It was like a sexy movie, Betty Blue. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> sexy French movie. With That's not strange at all, Dad. No, my dad's a dog perv. I need to speak to my dad about this. And um, he, um, it, it was my message from my mum and um, saying, um, we knew she had breast cancer because when you stroked her on her tummy, she had all these lumps. Oh. And um, she was about, she was old though. She was, because big, big dogs don't live as long as little dogs, do they, generally? Um, but it was to say that they'd had to let her go. And I completely lost it. I had to be taken off the aircraft. The oh, captain, it was a, I never forget, it was a lady captain called Kerry Lomas and she took me off the aircraft and I was almost on the floor crying. And then I turned and it was like a glass jetty and all the passengers waiting to get on were looking at me <laughs> like, oh, Betty's dead. But it's still, it just... That's probably um, the last dog that my parents had as an adult. My mum had another dog, but she lived far away with my mum. And now I've got my own dogs and I am dreading. It is such, I've got two dogs now. I'm dreading the day. It's such a horrible, horrible, scary, sad thing. They're just these innocent, sweet things who... They just make your lives better. Well, they're My part whole... of the family, aren't they? My, I remember we had a family Yorkshire Terrier, and I didn't realise how much we all absolutely loved it to the point when where he passed away. My dad flew home from Ireland. He was on a trip. He was oh. devastated. We, we had a burial with the whole family in the back garden. It was, you know... I mean, the worst thing about that, though, was that my mum had gone, I want him to be buried in the back garden. So we brought him back. My mum had bought a coffin for this dog. This is how far she took it, right? And I was just like, oh. we didn't get the dog in the coffin, though. I had to hair dryer this frozen dog to get this. I mean, that was, because nobody else would do it. And I was like, uh, this is really not how I envisage it to be. This poor frozen Yorkshire Terrier that I've had to 
blow dry to unfreeze to get it in this coffin. <laughs> something out of a Will Ferrell movie. I was like, what is this? My mum couldn't do it. She was too devastated. My brother said it was sick, so he kept gagging. And then I was was the youngest, and I just remember, like, blow-drying the legs, and I was like, oh, this is horrible. Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) But, um, you know, besides that, they they are one of the family. I remember that. Everybody was so devastated when that dog passed, you know, like, and so when my friend told me this week, and I get her devastation, her dog was 13 years old, you know, she'd had this dog before children, and it's a big, big part, you know, big, big part of your family. Especially for your kids, they've never, they've never known anything else. Uh, For a 13-year-old dog and young kids, they are the heart of your family. Whether you realise it or not, I think that animals... Um, it's when they're gone that you, it's, it's just a massive hole, isn't it? In your lives, like awful stuff. Like my dad, my mum and dad took Betty to be put down and they went straight to, it used to be called Pizza Piazza. Do you remember that restaurant? It was called Pizza Piazza. It was like Pizza Express. They went to Pizza Piazza in Farnham and they got so drunk. (laughs) And, um, and um, then they came home and they were like, oh my God, her bowl, her bed, her leads, her, they were just like, oh. And I don't think they threw any of that stuff away for, for, for ages. And um, there was a room in the house where she slept and it's still, someone else lives in the house now, but my dad spoke to them recently and they still call it Betty's room. And they're like, they're, they're your, they are your family, whether you realise it or not. And I don't know, it's just, it's so sad that you always outlive them generally, don't you? Yeah. It really is a heartbreaking thing. My heart goes out to your family. Prince William's dog died this week. I saw that yeah, yeah, in the news true. as well. Oh, Lupo, yeah. that one. That was quite an old, older dog, nine years old, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Awful. I'm sorry for your friends. That's really sad. But what else have you been up to? Um... Eating, watching, watching The Undoing, wondering how come Nicole Kidman looks less wrinkly than um my bum <laughs> which I is big enough a, i don't i haven't watched it yet so don't tell me too much because i need to oh watch. my god it's very good i think it's very good yeah well i see my friend fiends i work out with two friends and they basically keep going so my god do you think they did it and i'm like hey, just stop saying that you know like stop talking about it I don't think she, I don't think he did do it I, I don't think so and that's all I keep hearing from them and I was like stop talking <laughs> it's very good they're very good very good she looks amazing and uh she's very still very expressive so she hasn't got a sort of frozen face she just looks just so young and amazing um that it, it's it's a very I just love a, a whodunit when you don't have any insight really so you don't know you're guessing all the, the whole time I love that kind of thing it's quite oh, that fashion kind of Agatha Christie style um, yeah. whodunit so um, I'm not really doing anything I'm walking with dogs um, yeah nothing much you know well, I set up a group with some friends about how to eat less sugar in lockdown and yeah. and we're doing a running program together um, which is quite good. But um, that kind of brings me on to our guest, actually, because actually I didn't realise how needed it was. And when I first put this little group together of people, I was like, oh, I talked to like five friends. And I was like, yeah, let's just do it together. You know, I'm like bouncy Dur- Duracell bunny. And I was like, oh, I'll lead it and we'll all stop eating sugar in the evening and da 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 da. And then it went from five people to 22 people. <laughs> <gasps> how do you like, find the time, lady? I need to stop eating sugar at like, 
like nine o'clock at night because we're rewarding ourselves for getting through lockdown or whatever. And um, and actually, it just shows you there's there's quite a lot of uh, people still feeling, you know, like oh, like like that basically, aren't they? It's just yeah, a bit ugh. And um, yeah. and it actually, this this podcast kind of goes out to all those people actually today because we have got a really good guest here. We have. We've got an amazing friend of Well Life Tribe. It's Anna Anderson. Anna is a female health life empowerment coach. She's here for all of us, for all of our needs. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you, Anna. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I've been silently trying not to giggle at you both. Like you've been so, talking about the saddest things, but the funniest things. I'm a dog. It's so traumatic. Oh, God. Oh, I can goodness. still see it now. I'm sat at my mum's conservatory. <laughs> I cannot believe it. What I'm, I'm doing I've not even heard of it what is this I'm missing something oh, amazing it's on, yeah it's on Sky we are okay. we, got, we got Sky Hugh Grant isn't it Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman and oh. um this wonderful little child actor called Noah Dupe who's been in loads of stuff but he's really good oh and uh Kiefer Sutherland's dad Donald Sutherland but it's um we my husband's like mm, we don't need that we'll get rid of that we don't need that so he, we didn't have sky and then we had virgin and netflix and all that stuff so he did a sky trial for one week and then i started watching it and i was like oh, you can't get rid of we can't just have the week's trial what i don't i need to know what's going on with nicole and hugh so now we've subscribed but i, I do recommend it it's very good okay. <laughs> it's gone on my list <laughs> You've got to have a look at Nicole's lack of wrinkles. It's something to behold. She looks great. Yeah, she, yeah, she's, she's amazing. <laughs> she is an amazing girl. Oh, real lack of wrinkles, though. <laughs> Come on. I'm not applauding it. I'm just saying it's pretty impressive. And shiny. Yeah. <laughs> that she can still raise her eyebrows and stuff and smile. <laughs> there's nothing going on there's nothing going all right i'm not talking about this <laughs> let's talk about anna let's talk about anna moving swiftly on from from bit and top <laughs> anna i think that you're one of you're such an inspiring person actually because i've had the pleasure of talking on your podcast before you at the warrior journals you. which is brilliant and you've got such a nice audience on there you've had some amazing guests including me no joke uh, but you are I find you really inspiring and I was saying to Liberty I was trying to describe it I was like she's just like you'll tap into Anna's energy and it's just I just said she just wants to help people she just really empowers women and it's brilliant and it's honest and it's real so um can you tell us a bit about yourself and what how you just started doing this yeah, as with all wonderful things in life, I think they kind of happen by accident, really. And <laughs> um, I, I went through a really, really rough time um, in my life, and I had no relationship with myself. I didn't love me. I, in fact, I would go so far as to say I hated my body. I had a really rough relationship with food. I used alcohol to feel better. I was a single mum. I became a single while I was pregnant. Like the, my whole world, basically basically collapsed as I knew it. And I think with these things, sometimes it, you know, the, the universe rips the carpet from under our feet and goes, here you go, <laughs> rebuild. And I learned, I learned, I became a yoga teacher. Um, I gave up my job because I wanted to be with my son. I built a yoga business and it was the power of yoga that began my journey. Really. I think that was the doorway to transformation. Like I realized that there was um, a relationship from, to have with me 
And as I learned to love myself, I started looking after myself and I stopped eating to lose weight. I started eating because I wanted to feel good. And then my body just responded and everything kind of just uncurled. And I'm a massive believer in energy. And I think the more we vibrate at a higher level, the more just life uncurls in a really lovely way. And I really believe that everyone has so much beauty and potential within them. And I think the human life can be a bit challenging sometimes. And so I just, I'm all about helping women and men, but I only work with women, but this is for men too. <laughs> see the potential, see the, the possibility and the unique, incredible, um, specialness of who they are and to celebrate that because we're so good at comparison aren't we and judgment and eating to diet eating to lose weight and then the criticism and you know that I used to live in that perpetual cycle of eating things I think I should you know sitting on the sofa in the evening eating sugar like you know we all do that's why nine o'clock so fast right For that reward or alcohol and then waking up the next day looking yeah. in the mirror hating what I see beating myself up saying I'm not going to eat anything today and then just not understanding food I remember doing a diet once taking loads of tablets and then I was so hungry I got a cheesecake out of the rubbish bin like <laughs> <laughs> like the things we do you talk to me about my <laughs> so my journey was all about me first it was about me healing myself and it wasn't about losing weight it was about learning to nurture and nourish myself from the inside out loving me unconditionally which is a, a lifelong journey you know <laughs> I believe I'm not completely there yet it's getting through the layers and then from there my coaching practice developed my my business has just grown and grown and grown because I'm really about being real and honest and, and that it starts with love and it starts on the inside. So yeah, in a yeah, nutshell, that's, not in that's such amazing. a nutshell, but that's me. <laughs> I just want to go back to when you were a single, when you first became a single parent, cause that's tough going, isn't it? And you know, you know, like how hard that can be for people and Liberty oh. and I have got friends who are single parents and it is a really mm. hard place um to come from and actually i've got to say i've got people who i know who've become single parents this year um mm, in lockdown which I've, and it mm. is really really tough and i think you know you've been through it you know like and you get to your kind of lowest ebb with it don't you and uh, you know we think it's hard enough i think it's hard enough and i've got a partner you know sometimes just like kids yeah. can be quite it can be quite challenging but when you're on your own you you have to you have to be everybody don't you the loneliness was unlike anything I've ever known before. It was so tough and I hadn't been a parent until I had my son and I was immediately on my own. Um, and so all of a sudden I was thrown into this unknown, you know, becoming a mum anyway. It's like everything gets challenged. Your identity, who am I, what's happening? You know, I was so vulnerable and um, just, it was really, really tough. I didn't have any friends that had children. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect the feelings that I had. I was so lonely. I just remember really being challenged. And the only thing I did have was this amazing relationship with this. I loved, I loved my son so much. Um, but everything else felt hard and I had to be the provider, you know, the, the breadwinner, the everything. And also he didn't sleep for four years. So I was oh my. exhausted. I was so tired and, um, it was really hard. And then quite quickly I had to get used to him going to his dad. Um, and I, way before I was comfortable already with that. So there was kind of that grief to go through. I really look back and think there was some level of PTSD, just like so traumatic, so hard, so much letting go and acceptance 
that I wasn't ready to go through myself. And um, yeah, I hit, I hit absolute rock bottom. For I think for a period of time, I was at rock bottom. I was so lonely. I didn't like myself. I used alcohol. I remember the worst day when I realised I had to do something different was Isaac had just, my son had just gone to his dad's and I went, it was 10.30 in the morning and I went and opened a bottle of gin. And I just, I couldn't cope with the loneliness anymore. I was so alone. And um, yeah, I realized the next day that I couldn't do that anymore. I had a choice. Like, mm. I wasn't sure what the choice was, but I knew that if I carried on on the road that I was gonna go on, I wasn't gonna be the mum that I wanted to be. I wasn't gonna live the life I wanted, um, but I had to dig super deep. And you know, I, I don't think we all have to hit rock bottom, but sometimes you get to that place where you're like, the only way can be up from here, right? But yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. How do you, uh, see when I, I just can't imagine, what's the first thing you do when you're at that space when you think, this is it, I, I'm, I've got to do something. What's the first, how do you take that first step? What's the first thing? I guess it's about taking tiny steps, tomorrow I'll try. Yeah. I can't imagine how hard it must be. I can't even remember what my thought process was. I just knew that I couldn't carry on like I was. And I think it meant I had to take some major painful leaps that I'd been scared of for a long time. Like I was, I'd by this point moved to Hazelmere um, in Surrey. So I was commuting an hour each or an hour and a half each way to my work in London. I used to commute with him as a baby on the train because I wanted him near me. Um, and I was also exhausted. I remember the stars being out and pushing him in a pushchair to go and get the train to commute into London to get to work. And people still come to me now, you're the lady who commuted with the baby, aren't you? Like, oh I look God. at what I did, I'm like, oh my goodness. So I knew that that wasn't working. I knew I had to give up my job. But also that was part of my identity. I was like, I'm a single mum and then I'm not, I'm going to not have a job. Like I, I don't, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just, I literally Googled jobs for mums. <laughs> I remember doing that. <laughs> like I didn't know what else to do. And I think, you know, I, I believe that we're guided universally. I think sometimes it's about really slowing down. And, and I think that's why yoga helped me so much because it stopped the noise of my head and allowed me to make space so I could hear my wisdom and my knowing. Yeah. But I Googled jobs for mums and this, this opportunity to buy a yoga business came up as a franchise at the top and I was like I'm doing that I had never done a downward dog like, <laughs> but you weren't a yoga teacher no I wasn't a yoga teacher it's the most insane thing that you would ever like someone came and said this is what I'm doing you'd be like really I my in. The, the, the coach I had a coach at work and she went don't do that don't please don't rush into it I'd done it it was done I bought a business on a credit <laughs> card and they said that they would train me to be a yoga teacher and I quickly started practicing yoga because I'm like I've got to teach other people so I've got to learn and that was like my saving grace that everything else I could start to slow down and really tune into myself and it signed kind of grew from there but the most insane I look back the most insane steps Really? That I, please don't take career advice from me, anyone that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> it worked! It really exactly. worked! Exactly. It did it's work. Yeah. yeah, it did. And, you know, from there, I noticed that through my yoga teaching, I wasn't the only woman struggling. You know, like being a mum and, and being 
just in our bodies is hard and we don't give ourselves enough time and we give to everyone else and we're exhausted and you know just putting ourselves first and making space for us is one of the most important acts of self-care I think that we could ever do and from there I you know became um, an accredited coach I trained in NLP I trained in mindset tools and technology you know we've done the same trait coach training camp yeah um, and my business has grown and grown because I'm really about let's quit dieting, let's quit beating ourselves up, let's really learn to love and nurture our bodies, who we are, and move forward in a loving way. I'm like, stop making you lovable when you get to a certain point, make you lovable now and take actions because you're amazing. Not You're not amazing when you're something else, when you get somewhere, you're amazing now. <laughs> Um, and that's what yoga taught me. And that's now what I do in my business. And I'm so grateful because I get to work with amazing women every day. I don't really teach yoga very much anymore. It's really all about the coaching. But I take my son to school every day and I pick him up every day. And I earn more than I did in my corporate job because I took a really insane step. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> so, I'm so amazing. grateful. But I'm not sure it was sensible. But then I don't know. <laughs> but it forced you into it didn't it forced you you had to go and be a yoga teacher then and I, I think that's brilliant I love that I think my back was against the wall like you know what choice did I have? I look back what choice did I have but it's yeah. interesting that part of you must have known uh somewhere in you part of you must have thought I can do this in some capacity or you wouldn't have, have, have made that purchase and and that's incredible that you you had a you had that belief in you somewhere that you could turn this into something because obviously your little boy is your catalyst and he's relying on you and so that's beautiful that you 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 took that leap of faith for yourself I guess sometimes you've just got to rely on your instincts haven't you that you know you've got to make decisions for yourself when you feel that that is the right time how old is he now He's 10. He's 10 now. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's amazing. And what was your job before? I worked for a software company. I was an employee engagement manager, completely corporate software. Like, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but I guess always been about people, always deeply passionate about people. Yeah. Um, yeah. In whatever work that I've done. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So how, do you, how do you see at the moment with most, you know, like we're women, obviously, and, you know, there's, a, you know, people reach a certain age, don't they? Kids are becoming more independent. Um, yes. What problems are you helping people to solve at the moment? You know, I think the biggest thing is the inner dialogue the constant beration of ourselves you know i'm not good enough i'm not worthy when when we believe our worth is worth is outside of who we are and we've lost that connection to the amazing person that we all we all are um and that you know we've got women we are just the deep conditioning that we've received as women that when we put other people first you know that that, that makes us worthy when we are a certain size then we're worthy when we're a number on the scales we're worthy i mean i'm sorry for my language but it's all such a load of bs isn't it like just just to slow down and to build awareness and to really make it about loving and nurturing ourselves is such an enormous shift that it's really okay to put yourself actually it's vital to put yourself on your to-do list you know like everything everyone benefits when you're okay i'm you know i'm a better mum. i'm a better wife i'm better in my business i'm better in every capacity when i've taken time out for me 
Um, and I think that's so important that we we learn how to work with our inner dialogue and, and work from our heart-led self and make space for ourselves just to slow down and connect. Yeah. Do you think as, as we begin, let's say maybe we're, this is a huge thing for our generation mm. um, and it's something that I see um, parents and grandparents sort of saying when somebody does, let's say they look at it as an indulgent behaviour we would look at it as a necessity that someone takes time for themselves or puts themselves before sometimes their kids and their husband and whatever it may be. But I have heard, you know, the older generation being critical of that when I wouldn't look at it as something that needs to be criticized at all. Do you think that's something that by the time our, our children and their children are um, grown will have completely transformed? Or do you think that that female role is going to continue to be compounded into something that the ex expectation is the husband and the man can have the freedom and the wife should be there looking after everyone. Mm -hmm. Is that how it kind of formed? I think that's such a great question. And I think, I think that this all, you know, this is generations old, you know, and it, it was really pushed in the, you know, post-war generation, women were at work, men came home from the war and women stopped working and they started becoming homemakers. And, you know, I've been talking with ladies in my group coaching sessions about, you know, I've got to have my house tidy because if people come around, then I'm going to be judged. Not that anyone's coming around at the moment, but, <laughs> but you know, I do everything and my husband and just kind of doesn't really do that much I think we're having these conversations more and you know it's more it's okay to have these conversations and actually nobody is serving anybody when we're exhausted and broken and burnt out and as women move more into creating careers for themselves and we move more into equality this is not nice to have stuff this is essential for our healthy 11 million people die a year of stress like it's the biggest killer in the western world like when you think about it like that that's insane isn't it that's it's mind yeah. and actually when we move from a place of i believe stress into our parasympathetic nervous system to slowing down and connecting with ourselves we're more aligned we're more connected we can make better decisions we work smarter it's not work harder it's work smarter right mm -hmm. um, and i think businesses are moving in that direction i think families are moving in that direction and it's a process but it's also about us as women recognizing that it's really okay to put ourselves first and that it isn't selfish it's in fact mm. selfless you know and i think what i'm really um passionate about understanding what self-care is i don't really think self-care is about getting our hair done or having our nails done although they're nice things i think it's about being disciplined enough to have the challenging conversations and to put boundaries in place around preserving our time and looking after us and saying actually this is non-negotiable i'm not going to just let that slip because i'm better when um, I'm better at everything when I'm better, when I'm happy, when I'm joyful, you know, I, everyone benefits. Yeah. So I think it's about really boundaried steps to, to look after ourselves. Mm -hmm. Some people find that like, I, I can, I, I think of people when you're saying that who just like, Oh, I don't know. I just don't know how to approach that with, mm. with someone or, you know, they, they've been in this habit for such a long time, haven't they, that they, yeah. you know what would you say to somebody who's like a first step because going back to you doing yoga and that's a practice this is a practice isn't it it's a lifelong practice yeah <laughs> so, so yeah. nothing is solved in a day you know like no. the, the no. first step of 
you know, making the change or, you know, you, you can't change your whole life immediately, but you can make tiny changes, can't you? I love that. It's all about baby steps. And I think the first step is giving yourself permission to have some time for yourself. And, you know, I, think, I remember when I first started doing or making space for myself, like the guilt, the guilt of, of making space for me, or I got a cleaner, the guilt of doing that. Like I should, I should, you know, the shoulds are such good keys, aren't they? To yeah. where we've got a belief that maybe isn't of service, but you know, I, sh- I should be doing it all myself. And why actually having a cleaner employ somebody and it gives me more time to help other people too. So I, you know, it's challenging our thinking. So permission. And I was, I was um, speaking to a lady last night. I think the first step around boundaries is actually physically looking at your calendar and saying, right, what time, physical time am I going to block out for me? And am I okay with being on my own? I think another piece is how often are we quiet? You know, we, I, I remember being frightened of being quiet and not having any noise. When are we away from our phone, away from the radio, away from the news? When do we go out in nature by ourselves? Like really getting used to spending time on your own. Um, I think it's really important. So permission, blocking out time and spending time by yourself and, and getting to know who you are, building a relationship with yourself, I think are like three really essential steps. Yeah. I, um, go I love the whole spending time on your own thing. And I think that works really well. I think, you know, in lockdown, it's been really intense, hasn't it? Let's say, you know, we've been so getting hard. since March. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I was saying earlier, like, people are it's a real testing time for people and everything and people are you know looking at the way they live they're questioning it now because I think before people have coasted along um this is actually it's not a bad time to to start doing all of this is it really while you're at home while you're figuring things out um you know a lot of people see it as maybe a change of their personality you know they play into this role that they've been doing which hasn't been serving them well at all Mm. Um, and actually just by you know changing it the the people are starting to change it and maybe in some places you know great big bombs are going off but actually in most um, places it can be the strengthening of relationships of relationship with yourself first and foremost for sure absolutely you know how we wouldn't expect any relationship to survive if we weren't spending time nourishing it, would we? We don't, you know, we have to put time into our marriages, we have to put time into our friendships, but we don't put time into ourselves. And, you know, that that relationship helps you grow and, and you know, just have a deeper level of joy and happiness and confidence when you really have a relationship with you. And that takes time to, yeah. yeah. Well, it's about, because you've got to change your habits as well. I mean, you could be looking at someone thinking, God, I hate the way you do that. But actually, <laughs> you've got to change your response to that part as well, haven't you? You know, like... What, what are you talking about, Kat? <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about this a lot, you know, boundaries and communication. And because <laughs> I'm running a group coaching program, though, and we've been talking about this, like, triggering points and actually just reining in that it's not anyone else's responsibility to make you happy it's your responsibility and we can't pin our happiness on anything outside of ourselves so if something's triggering us rather than that kind of you know, immediate reaction it's like making space and 
just considering what it is that's going on before you go and have a conversation about what, what that might look like moving forward. But I think real ownership of when this happens, I feel this way rather than when you do that, you make me feel, you know, there's a real yeah. difference in yeah. how we communicate effectively. We've been talking about the, you know, triggering email or text as well. You just, just slow down and before we respond to things, but yeah, Kat, you're right. In terms of this year, while it's been deeply challenging, I think we've been able to really look at what's important and prioritize, haven't we? To a degree. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I do think, because it's, I don't know, actually, I'm going to go on to the eating part, the sort of nutrition side for women, because I think um, lockdown one came, and (laughs) I live with a a chocolate addict, actually, who, where everybody else was running out buying bog roll, he ran out (laughs) and bought the entire confectionery counter, and boxes were turning up, and I was like, what? And then I started eating them, because I was like, I don't know what's going on outside. (laughs) and then it was just one after the other and then I was watching my thighs expand and I was like what what are you doing to me what am I doing to myself and when it came to the freedom of doing it we all get we all got you know we all came out of the first lockdown I was like what has happened to me you know I exercise I do this but if I'm honest I ate a lot of chocolate you know I did indulge sweetly because no, if you if you go back to the beginning of the first lockdown, it was quite scary. We were all a bit fearful, weren't we? But I, but then I made a determination to get into lockdown too, and I was like, this is not happening to me. I can't afford for this to happen to me again. Like <laughs> I need to take some control here, but I can't do this on my own. And you know, but but we do do that, don't we? It is something. But how does that, you know, what I'm confused with sometimes is like, I can, you know, I'm really happy before lockdown and I wasn't, I was had control of everything. Everything was going really fine. Lockdown came and I just went, it was like I dived headfirst into boxes of chocolate, you know, like what? And I was sneaking them behind my kids' backs. No, you're not allowed to have it. Are they gone? I actually physically got a stepladder to climb up to the sweet cover because I can't reach it. Oh, that's what we do, isn't it? Yeah, we all did it. I did it too. I think it's unsurprising. We've got to look at, I'm really passionate about us understanding our physiology and not thinking, oh, I haven't got any willpower. Because a woman's psychology is, I've got no willpower, I'm rubbish, right? Well, then we beat ourselves up. But that's not the case. We've got to look at why we do these things. And and when we eat, especially sugary things, we get a dopamine hit. You know, like the whole world is falling apart. I need something to feel better. Like it's, it's a, of course, it was, a, you know, everyone's talking about the Corona Stone, aren't they? <laughs> Just <laughs> the Corona stone. corona stone. Um, I think, and, you know, let's forgive ourselves. I think one of the most damaging things we do is beat ourselves up and berate ourselves. Let's just be kind and recognise that we'll move forward with health as we adapt to the situation. So, yeah. It's normal, I think. <laughs> I think so. But I think also when I got into this this version of it, I was like, I'm not doing that again. You know, like, yeah. I'm really not. And actually, I'm waking up here. I, I want to be, I want to be empowered. I want to come out of this one feeling the best I've ever felt, you know, because <laughs> actually, I, I'm, I was that last one what a load of rubbish i'm not doing that you know i, I want yeah. to do that but sure you know you must have so, so if i came to you you know what what you know because people do need help and that's why i'm doing it together with friends but 
actually, what if I came to you, because actually it is a hard place to get out of. And a lot of the people I'm going to speak to are just like, I eat food because I, I just don't know. It helps me cope with things. And yeah. like you were saying, dopamine. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think the first thing that's really important is that we have been conditioned mostly as women to eat, to lose weight, to, to restrict and to um, deprive, and then you get to where you want to get to. And also the belief that when we're a number on the scales, then we're okay. Right? I'm, I'm good enough when I'm that. Yeah. Um, and I'm worthy when I'm, when I'm this size, which is just such rubbish. Um, so I'm really about making a massive mindset shift in stop eating to lose weight and actually start eating to balance your blood sugar because when your blood sugar is balanced and you're eating fiber and nutrients and giving your body everything it needs it stops releasing ghrelin the hormone that says i'm hungry <laughs> and also stress massively impacts our our kind of afternoon snacking um because we pull from two different sources of energy when we're in our parasympathetic nervous system we pull from um our fat stores, of which we have about 130,000. But when we're stressed, which is for fight or flight to run away from something fast, all of our systems are shut down and our body gets energy fast because it hasn't got the time to take it from fat because that takes time. So it takes it from our glycogen stores, of which we only have two and a half thousand. So by four, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, when we're sniffing around the kitchen, thinking it's my fault, I can't overcome this, it's actually because we're stressed. It's because we've given ourselves a time because we haven't been making space for ourselves and we're rushing around and our body's saying i'm getting low on fast releasing sugar eat something and it's generally you know white bread or you know sugar or chocolate or those things because it, it gives us the energy fast so if we can understand our physiology and learn to work with it and make space to look after ourselves the women that I work with are like, my, I'm so confused. My, cra my cravings have disappeared and I'm eating way more than I've ever eaten. It's like, yes, because dieting doesn't work. <clears throat> yeah. And if you, stop, if you stop teaching your thinking that you've got to lose weight and actually start looking after your body, then the weight just comes off by an accident. By an accident. <laughs> by, you know, it just accidentally happens because it's not what you were focusing on. We stop grasping and we start loving ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's another thing that's a really, um, maybe a male, something we believe that men hold us in, you know, more worth or higher esteem if they think that we look a certain way. So we hang on to that. We look at each other. We know how we talk about each other or we hear people talking about women's bodies. And so it's like a, it's like a, a huge pressure. I remember hearing someone's father-in-law talking about their their, their daughter-in-law who just had a baby saying, you know, oh, she's going to take ages to lose. And I thought, oh my God, she's just had a baby. Um, so you do, even though that comment wasn't about me, I then sort of thought, God, I wonder if my, they wouldn't, but you know, I wonder if my in-laws, you just feel that pressure from everywhere, don't you? And it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible way to measure someone. Whereas when I actually speak to my husband, he might be lying so that he doesn't, I mean, cause he's locked in a house with me now, <laughs> but he says stuff like, I, I hate you look much nicer when you don't wear makeup or, Oh yeah, she's much too skinny. Oh yeah. You, no, no one wants to be that skinny stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But who knows? <laughs> he probably just wants me to get off with him or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you do. true for most men. I think actually women are more beautiful when they're empowered and love who they are and they're not covered in makeup and stick thin. You yeah. Know, it's about being confident <laughs> in ourselves. Oh, don't they? Thank the Lord. <laughs> Just stop it. Confidence is the sexiest thing, right? Yeah. Confidence, confidence is sexy. Yeah. Yeah, we're born, we're born to have curves. We're, we're women. We're not, I was talking to a woman, a woman the other day. She was like, like, I've been trying to get, create this man's body, like this flat, straight, muscular body. And it's like, why have we, why do we punish ourselves with these grueling regimes to get abs and toned? It's like, it's not feminine, is it? <laughs> you know, it? a lot of things, they come from childhood, don't they? I would say, and I love my dad dearly, but he always poked my weight when I was a kid. Yeah. And actually, he did come and stay with me not that long ago. And he, I, I don't think he, he doesn't mean it. He just can't seem to help himself. But again, I go back to the 15-year-old that used to get really irritated by him. And like, he left the house. So he was leaving the house, you know. Um, as he went out the door, he's like, oh, you know, talking to my husband. You look really, you've lost loads of weight. You look really slow. And he looks at me and goes, what's happened to you then? <laughs> I was just like, and there we go. You what? went the whole weekend. <laughs> But we got to the last minute and then, it, yeah. and then I was just like, do you know what, this time I'm not going to let it niggle me there because normally I go back, I revert back. Yeah. I just, and I think about that comment for days on end and I don't let it go. But this time I was just like, nope, it's all on you actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I have put on a few pounds, but then I'm losing them. But you know, I'm not, it's nothing. Why do you have to keep pointing out? But when it, what it is, is when I was a kid, I just remember it, you know, like my, I don't know why. And it must've come from maybe his childhood or something. Weight was a really big thing in our house. You know, like it was either you've lost weight or you've put on weight. And it was just that back and forth, back and forth. So those kind of things stick with you. And, you know, and I noticed that on your kind of work, you do a bit of inner child, don't you? I do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's, that, that, that is a thing that is emotionally torturing to some women, actually, because you grow up and you grow up hearing about your mum's lost weight. She's put on weight. Then if you're in a house with sisters, it's the same thing. For sure. We, you know, we, we are so conditioned through our childhood, through our society, through familial ancestral conditioning. And we walk around with this map in our subconscious. It's like our blueprint, our DNA. <clears throat> and we just keep going through life, repeating the same patterns until we bring them up and have a look at them. And there's always room for us to go back and, and to love her, that little girl within all of us to, and heal her and, you know, reparent her, give her the love that perhaps she didn't feel she got, even though our parents were amazing and, you know, it, does, it yeah. doesn't mean that we weren't, they weren't amazing, but there was always some kind of messaging that we need to kind of heal or work with to just partner up and build that relationship with that little girl within us who keeps repeating the same patterns because she's doing things from a place of safety and survival instinct where, you know, this is what we do, this is safe. And then we're trying to break out of that and telling her that she, she needs to change. And it's kind of this perpetual battle. Whereas if we go back and love her and bring her with us and give her what she's missing, then actually beautiful healing takes place. And you're um, also an NLP practitioner, aren't you? Yeah. Which is, I love NLP. And um, I just, I, it just, I, I did it years ago and I know everyone's probably heard this story a million times, so I won't tell it again, but I, I know that Kat also did something where um, you had a ner you had a nervousness with speaking, Kat, and literally it took you back to being a child 
on stage and you almost worked with yourself as a child on stage in that way with NLP and now she's like mm-hmm. a natural up there on stage and um would you use that kind of thing to to work with someone maybe if I really need to do that <laughs> and kick little me up the ass and tell her <laughs> to sort it out yes yeah. I, I sorry go, sorry yeah you go go I was just going to say the power of the mind and the power of like learning how to use it so it supports us and helps us achieve what we want we we're only ever limited by our thinking like we are so full of amazing potential and we can change anything that we want to it's simply looking at our belief systems and looking at where they've come from why they're there and how to shift them and change them so we can move forward in exceptional ways. I, I, I'm so excited about it. It makes me really excited to think that everyone is this like, walking bat of capacity that can just, you know, full of potential. We're not ever stuck. Do you ever meet people who are not necessarily in your professional world or, or coming to you for help, but you know that there are the, the smallest changes they could make and you wish that they could every day <laughs> do you that must be so frustrating yeah. <laughs> all the time i just see it everyone i'm like you know who you could be you know it's just these little shifts of our thinking and it's always really believe <clears throat> that our thoughts impact everything and if we is that that quote isn't there our, our mind is a powerful um servant and a cruel master and we get to decide which one um, and if we learn to let it empower us, then we really can achieve great things. What kind of things do you use for yourself on a personal level to um, get through the day? Any rituals you have or things that help Anna to be Anna? I love that word ritual and I teach it a lot that we've got to have non-negotiable rituals um, and it's about being disciplined enough to stick to them. So the food that I eat and making sure that I'm eating food that helps. I always think it's like, let's make choices that keep us high vibration. So I'm not making choices to lose weight. I'm making choices so I feel good. And that's a shift, you know? So the food that I eat, I get up. I I never say that anyone else has to do this, but I do get up at 5.30. I practice (laughs) yoga, I meditate, and then I run. Um, And I just know that those things, despite when my alarm goes off, I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up. I know very quickly I'm going to feel better. So the discipline of doing that um, is really important. And then being with my son and being with my family and carving that time out in my diary that's non-negotiable and it's in my diary so no one can book it um and and then my work as well so I do have these rituals that I I stick to because I know that they make me better and they help me help me get through the day (laughs) it's so interesting to hear you say that one of them is the 5 30 thing because Kat does that too and uh, a couple of other people we've spoken to have done that but they all say I jump out of bed it's interesting to hear you say it's actually quite hard work but I know it's worth it so um, because I'm rubbish at getting out of bed yeah (laughs) especially in the British winter right it's just uh, very dark in the morning I just find with the early morning there, you just get things done. 
I love it. I love, by the time my son gets up, I've got his breakfast ready. I've made his pet lunch box. I've meditated, done yoga, gone for a run. I like, that makes me feel like I'm winning at life, right? <laughs> yeah. All of those things are done. And then I'm like, morning, rather than getting up really late and rushing and just thinking, oh, I'm not on top of anything. I just, yeah. it's a much calmer way to start the day. Does your husband yeah. get up early as well? No, he just gets annoyed that my alarm goes off. And like, <laughs> just can I put it in the hall? So I have to get out of bed to go and get it. So he wakes him up as well. It's really selfish. <laughs> but he's like, I know I prefer you when you've done those things so I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I guess they become your rituals, like you say. Then you've got to do them. So you do all of those things every morning. Do you have any mornings off from it? I do. I take the weekend off. I don't do those things at the weekend, but I, I do coach. I, I've got clients at 6am because I, I coach in New Zealand and I've got other clients that like getting up early. So I've got clients at 6am on, on a Saturday morning, but That's I love it. I am a morning person. I think it depends on our, our circadian rhythm, doesn't it? Like I'm, yeah. I definitely am better in the morning. I'm, I'm in bed by nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. You made me feel much better about myself now. <laughs> You're the same cat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people are like somebody was saying to me, oh, I'll give you a call about half nine ten. I was like, oh, no. no. <laughs> I'm not gonna be awake. And then like lying in bed with, cat's lying with two sausage dogs next to her on the <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> thing is I love going to bed as well. The thing is I love going to bed and sleeping. But I love to go to bed and sleeping when I'm really tired. Like I like that whole push, yeah. you know, I read a book and then I'm off. That's it, done yeah and then I wake up and then I feel like because I feel like if I don't like kind of uh do the early morning thing then I've wasted my day and I can't I can't function properly sometimes actually if I don't do the early morning thing and I try and lie in yeah yeah I'm the same yeah whatever that's no don't you like having dreams about Ryan Gosling though and stuff like that I've I mean, never had a dream about him. <laughs> it's not. It's Ryan Reynolds, isn't it? He's your fave. As in, I, um, the football club. My son goes to sleep. Like I read him a story, and then we put on the Calm app. The stories. If you do know oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Matthew McConaughey does one. I'm like, let's play the Matthew McConaughey one, <laughs> and then I can go to bed and listen to him too. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right, yeah, all right. One. <laughs> Be getting that tonight, <laughs> and then I put on Magic Mike because he's in that, and then I fall asleep. <laughs> um, we have a bit of a joke in our house because my husband reads before he goes to sleep, but he reads like one word and then just <gasps> so he's got like he goes like the just passes out um but yeah i just need to get better at the whole routine thing i used to be when i was cabin crew which i was saying at the beginning um if you're really jet lagged I, you do sometimes wake up at ridiculous um times and i do agree that when i would wake up really early and get loads done and it was by accident but um the morning's got to be the most beautiful part of the day in any anywhere in the world but then you get to like 11 o'clock in the morning and think it must be dinner time but it's actually still early there is that really nice sense of accomplishment that you've got loads done and you've still got loads of the day left so i do get it lads but i just need a bit of a rocket up my butt to uh get this rig moving <laughs> it's a working process it's a working progress yeah for sure <laughs> so anna you work one-to-one -one, but you do group 
coaching as well, don't you? I do. So I work one-to-one um, and um, I've got a trademarked system that I take people through, um, but it's also, you know, really tailored to each person. And, you know, we, we're doing that in a child work. So it's very personalized and individual, but then also I do group coaching and I just launched and my um, beta program's coming to an end. And it's been amazing just to take women as a group through this process, especially in this climate this year, you know, when we've been particularly hard on ourselves. And, you know, so many of us have leaned on food to feel better mm. and to get through it, which is totally understandable. So it's been amazing. And then I'm launching again in January. So we start in January for another group coaching program. So, and yes. what, so to give people a little bit of an insight, what, what will be in that kind of program in January? Yeah, I teach people how to eat, um, uh, but I'm also, I'm not about feeling deprived or like you've got to follow this certain way. I'm really about biodiversity. So I teach the actual reality behind breaking free from dieting and learning how to give yourself all the nutrients that you need so that your body, you balance your blood sugar and it's so much calmer. You know, there's like that battle, you know, that battle in your head where you're thinking about food all the time and trying to overcome it, it just goes away. And while that's taking care of itself then we do deeper mindset stuff like nlp work we look at our belief systems our relationship with our body um and go through a whole process of building deep awareness through tools and techniques because my my intention for anyone that i work with is not that you lean on me it's that I, you leave working with me and you've got this toolkit of amazing tools that you can carry with you for the rest of your life you know it's not um it's not reach the end and you're done it's reach the end and you're just beginning right yeah. so um it's lots of tools and techniques and things to help you achieve amazing results um more about how you love yourself but then accidentally the women they you know they're coming to an end and they they're stoned down but they're like I, I haven't weighed myself and i haven't been focusing on that at all i've been focusing on love loving me and putting myself first and like that's the peaceful way it's all about peacefully nourishing yourself and then the weight just weight's just a symptom like of everything else so it just goes away when we start looking after ourselves so that's, that's really yeah so when people start that in january how long does that last for then how long does that go that, that group pro i can't speak that group coaching program is eight weeks so it starts on the 11th of january um and goes on for eight weeks yeah. And that's nice. And I guess that everybody kind of supports each other. Is that what happens? So much so. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to see them learning from each other as they share and seeing other people's um, process. You learn from watching other people go through a process um, and just building a community with each other. It's lovely. It's a really lovely thing because actually we're all struggling as women, if we're really honest. Like this isn't stuff that we don't all battle with at some point in our life, if not all. You know, I work with women in their 70s and they're like, this has been 50 years of my head being full of this. Oh, you know, like... They must feel so amazing though after they do this. If they've done it for 50 years and they try and do this coaching program and at the end of it they're just like god I well first of all they probably wish they'd found it 50 years ago but then they're kind of like but actually this must be some sort of sense of you know great achievement at this point i'm so, i honestly i cry nearly every day in my work like i'm so honored oh. like, to see women make that transformation it is breathtaking and for them to see that they can be free from it for good and they can build a loving relationship with themselves it's just like, I'm so grateful I get to do what I do. It's lovely. It really is. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. 
That's amazing. I think yeah. it's so good how you've, you know, you've changed a lot of women's lives. And I know I, I, you know, obviously you're part of the tribe and I see the comments that you get on your um, Facebook groups and stuff. People really, really appreciate everything you do. And, and I can see the lives that you've changed and people, you know, so I would, you know, say to the audience listening to this, you know, really, they must, they must find you to check this out because you do, there's no, like you say, there's no judgment in your space, but it's nice community for where people can actually just come along and just learn to love themselves really nicely. Where can people find you, Anna? Yeah, um, probably the best place is probably my website, which is www. Are you sharing the links or shall I say it? You can say it here and then we'll share them too. Um, um and then the same for my Instagram. Um, so probably start there. Find me on Facebook as well, Anna Anderson. Um, yeah, and you can check me out in all of those places. And people can kind of email you, can't they? Just to, if they just want to just just test what it's about, they they can just approach you that way to have a quick oh, chat. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, Anna at AnnaAndersonInc.com. Yeah, just if you've got share my email as well. Absolutely, very very welcome to chat with. Always welcome chatting with people. Yeah, you've got such a nice vibe, Anna, and it's so clear that you just love what you do. Um, there are. I remember when I first started working with Cat, and I said. Everyone who works in wellness and well-being is so nice. And um, I think the point is that people who come to this, like you, have often come from a place of being in a rock bottom or a really hard place and have built themselves up and helped themselves and then want to share that kind of healing and help with the rest of the world. And um, But sometimes you meet someone who's really warm and really special and you're one of those people that... I think you're going to go on my top 10 list, Anna, maybe uh, number one. <laughs> no, but I, don't really, I don't really have a list, but Anna, I do have a list of people who just give that mad buzz, and you do. You've, like, you've got a really strong vibe about you. Um, Kat said, oh, she's really she's so nice. You wait till you meet her. She's so nice. But you just don't know. You might, you might like really vibe with um, Kat, and uh, I might be like, well, she's all right. You've got a real... You've got a real um, energy. It's so nice. It's so nice. It's so real, and it's often hard to tell. So many people we meet face to face, and it's easy when someone's in a room. But Zoom is different. So um, it's really, it's really strong. You're really lovely. I'm I so would... flattered. Thank you. I, I just. I'm deeply passionate. I'm so passionate. It's my app. Apart from my family, it's it's my living, breathing purpose. I oh, really... you can tell. Yeah. You can tell, and people can't see this who are listening, but the whole time you were talking, there was like this angel light coming through yeah, your windows. From the back, yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, I, I like, saw it too. I was oh, like, damn, damn, this woman's got power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you two are lovely. <laughs> the, the, the lights come through again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right, so nobody else can see this, so we're you know we don't want to bore the arse off people, so we need to <laughs> Anna Anderson. Yeah. yeah, we love you, Anna, and we're so Good pleased girl. that we've had you come on a, a, as a guest. And what we will say is that I just think that you know people feel like they need um, help to just just over you know being a woman, just being you, finding your authentic self. Anna is really the first stop. You know, check out 
you know, you can check out all her wonderful testimonials. You can join a group. You can have a one-to-one. There's just so many ways to work with Anna that, you know, that one size doesn't fit all, as we say, you know. And, you know, I just think you'll really encourage people to just make the change, you know, take the step. And I just think, you know, that's why I really enjoy having you on here because I know that you, and I've seen, you know, that you've helped lots of people. Oh, thank you. I've loved it. It's, I'm going to walk out with a, a real boost having spoken to you oh. today. Thanks so much. Thank oh. you so much for coming on today's show, Anna. Lots of thank love. Thank you, Anna.